The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. I describe it as a science versus magic. I would say I'm pretty 50-50. Science is only what we've discovered, so why limit yourself, right? Motherhood. We kind of forget the person we were before. We fall through the gap of who we were before and who we are growing into as a mother. And everything in between. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent. And I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. Having some playtime uninterrupted with our children. Just these kind of simple things. I think sometimes we have our eyes so focused on the horizon and the glory moments that we forget the detail in between. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Ambitious Mum podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and it's a disclaimer alert this week. The sound quality on this podcast is definitely below par from my end. Um, My guest, Annie, she sounds perfect, which is brilliant because she's the one with all the amazing insights and knowledge. But unfortunately, I sound a little bit like I'm making um, lots of announcements on an aeroplane. So I hope you'll forgive me. Um, The dog eating the microphone business um, has really had an impact on the podcast for the past couple of weeks. But hopefully we are back on track um, for next week. So uh, maybe I'll make you sort of feel a bit nostalgic about being on an aeroplane, but the content is all there. Um, It's just my end that sounds a little bit naff. So I do apologise about that. And this week's guest is a functional medicine trained nutritional therapist. And her name is Annie Breen. She's from Edinburgh. And she works with overwhelmed mothers that's her speciality which I thought was a brilliant person to get on this podcast and we talk a lot about the impact of what we eat how we eat how we behave on our overall health and our immune system and the amazing and fascinating subject of the gut brain connection which I think you'll also be completely mesmerized by because there's a reason why the gut is called the second brain and Annie goes into lots of detail about that. We talk about the stress cycle and understanding that more and understanding that the impact of stress in our life has a massive influence on how we feel and the immune system, on the gut, our mood, our emotional health. So much can be brought back to what we put in our bodies, but also how we behave, how we exercise, how we move, how we manage our stress also has an impact on our physical health. Something else that we also talk about, which um, I'm personally very interested in from my line of work is holding on to resentment and our pain and not healing from past hurt, how that has an influence on how our body works. Maybe you that might manifest in gut problems, um, lowered immune systems. So we really talk about a lot of different things. I think so many people can relate to at the moment, especially with um, the overwhelm and the worry and all the anxiety around COVID and the different lockdowns. And 
from a positive perspective, Annie delves into really finding joy and happiness and gratitude in just the mundane, which is pretty much our lives at the moment. So I think this gives you lots of bang for your buck, this podcast. I'm really excited about this episode and I hope you manage to discount my very nasally sounding Uh, recording but Annie sounds brilliant and I hope you enjoy it and as ever please let me know what you think and do share share amongst anyone that you think that can help any overwhelmed mothers out there if you're part of different groups just share the podcast because it really does make a difference thank you so much and here is my conversation with Annie Breen Okay, so hi Annie. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ambitious Mum podcast. It's been been really excited to have you on actually. Oh, amazing. Thank you for having me. And I absolutely love the name Ambitious Mum. Bring that on. Oh well, I'd love to we'll delve into that, but what I'd love to know is how you help mums and what you do and which is kind of why I wanted to get in touch with people quite aligned and what we do. And you tell the listeners how you help other mothers. Amazing. So, yeah, I'm Annie. I'm based in Edinburgh. Um, I work online and I actually moved my business online after having Bonnie. Um, After I had Bonnie, everything changed for me. So I was already a registered nutritional therapist. And having her just opened up this whole new world. Um. And I think a lot of gaps, to be honest, a lot of gaps in the wellness and care of mothers. And that just got me really, really interested through my own experiences and my own postpartum struggles. And then seeing that, you know, I wasn't on my own, that a lot of mothers were experiencing the same thing. So now, Bonnie's four, I now help exhausted mothers reclaim their energy. And it all comes back to energy for me. And I use a variety of different tools. So I'm a registered nutritional therapist and I use food as medicine. I love the science of food. I'm actually not really a very good cook or a foodie, but I just am fascinated by the science. Um, The gut-brain connection is a huge part of what I do. And also I am an NLP, so neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, which really helps me work on both the mindset and the body. So I describe it as a science versus magic. I would say I'm pretty 50-50. Science is only what we've discovered, so why limit yourself, right? And I really consider the mother or the person as a whole person. We're individual, we're unique in every single way. And there's no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. So my approach is very much mother-centered. It's putting your needs in the center and looking at your needs from your mind, the body, the heart, the spirit, and bringing it all together so mothers can feel more healthy and whole and ultimately more energized. Oh, that sounds, listen, you know, when you say exhausted mothers, I don't know a mother that isn't exhausted. But I think you're so right, you know, from an energy perspective as well, because we need so much energy physical but also sort of mental emotional spiritual as well that can be sucked out of us through so many different ways and not just from our children um you know not typically we think about you know being exhausted from lack of sleep running around constantly on the go the washing the shopping but actually 
the exhaustion I found was definitely more from like an emotional perspective, you know, to the point where you get to the end of the day and you can't have a conversation, you can't yeah. speak, and you've got nothing left to give. Do you see that a lot with the women that you, that come to you? Yes. I don't think we realise how much our energy affects us. Like energy is everything and everything is energy. And I think that for, for me, that was my greatest fear. One of my fears when I became a mum is I just simply was so exhausted that I wouldn't have the energy to look after and play with Bonnie. And it was that fear of waking up in the morning of how the hell am I going to get through this day? You know, and all you want to do is do your best and give to your child and make sure they're happy and healthy. But if you don't have the energy, that is overwhelming in, in itself. And, and that feeling was the thing that took me on this kind of personal growth adventure, as I call it. Um, and you're absolutely right. But the way that I described it to Dan, it's like carrying an emotional anchor around me. Because the most draining part, yes, yeah, sleep deprivation is a killer. It destroyed me. But it was also the worry of not being enough, the fear of myself, the fear, was I up to this? And a lot of stuff, you know, that I'd packed away in the past that I maybe not healed or dealt with and just suppressed was coming up. It was almost like I was put on stage for the world to see and everyone could see my vulnerabilities and my deficiencies. And I felt very vulnerable and I felt very overwhelmed. And carrying that around is heavy. It's exhausting. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's the emotional energy, I would say, as, as well as the physical sleep deprivation is hard. But I think a lot of it comes from our head. Very much think, so. Yeah. I think what, um, what you just said then is interesting because as you were saying that, I had this sort of like image of when you give birth. And you're giving birth to a human, but it's almost like you're giving birth to a new version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, you are encountering all the things that you've not, you know, dealt with in the past, but all these things, the what-ifs of the future. And all of a sudden, that person is not the same you as before, you, came, you know, you went into the hospital. And like you say, there's, there's all these fears and uncertainties and worries that we just carry around with us that are probably have been programmed into us from, you know, a young age that we've not dealt with, that we've suppressed. And this is something I definitely wanted to talk to you about today um, because I'm working a lot with forgiveness in my coaching and EFT practice. And I really sort of been delving into a lot of the, I guess, the science, but also the evidence and the conversations that when we hold a lot of this in, this unhealed pain and emotional baggage, and however that looks to, you know, everyone, that has a massive impact on our health. And I, I'd love to know when you see that in your practice, how, where do people start from? And, and I guess the connection between all this angst and resentment and fear and overwhelm and how that presents itself in our bodies. Wow. Okay, I have a lot to say here. <laughs> Amazing. And, and I love that you said that. So let's start from that. You know, when you have a child, and it, it, it doesn't matter whether it's your first, second, third, fourth, we go through this kind of birth of a new identity each time. So there's a term called matrescence, which is a term for becoming a mother, the birth of a mother. And it's kind of compared to adolescence in terms of its time. You know, it can take years. A child becoming an adult, that puberty, that adolescence, that transformation 
can take 10 years plus. Um, and it's exactly the same with a mother, but actually more significant, I would say. There's huge hormonal shifts. There's huge physical shifts. Our brain literally changes. But then there's the emotional, and I think most significantly, the spiritual, the identity. And what I found, and this is what I get from talking to other mums, is sometimes we kind of forget the person we were before, but yet we're not quite certain of ourselves as a mum and we fall through the gap. We fall through the gap of who we were before and who we are growing into as a mother. Yeah. And that can be scary because we're almost in the unknown, you know. But like the Frozen 2 film that I've seen about 15,000 times, <laughs> the unknown is where the magic can happen. But, yeah. you, but you can't do it alone. And I think for me and this is the work I do with mums, it's giving yourself firstly the opportunity to tune in. We live such busy lives, we barely have time to breathe and listen to our own inner knowing and connect with ourselves. And I think that's the problem. We don't get a chance to process some of this stuff. It's like we hit the ground running and we just need to kind of react and firefight and go with it and keep going. We um, also don't have time to yeah. process it. And we don't believe that we're worthy of that time because we, then we feel guilty so I just think back of like when my kids were so young and it was literally just running and on empty and the only time I had you know if they were asleep is either if I'm working I'd try and get some work done but if not I would literally collapse on the couch and just like zone out for an hour while they were asleep the thought of sitting there and meditating or you know trying to tap into my inner wisdom at that time was beyond me now yes i sort of recognize that that's that's a, a good way of using my time and energy mm. but oh my goodness you know i just feel that we, we don't feel that we're worthy of giving ourselves the time to, to look inwards i totally agree and i don't know about you but i didn't really know what that meant you know, all these terms like limiting beliefs, um, mattress. I really understand that. I think I've learned more in the last two years than ever in my whole entire life. Um, and it has been this, this personal growth adventure. And a big part of that is being brave enough, but also having the support to look beneath the surface. Uh, and that's very much where the functional medicine model comes in. I always do a timeline with people. And it's amazing because we kind of cut ourselves off for who we were before. But the the answers and our magic are usually there. I, I said recently after my um, NLP practitioner course that I'm more like my four-year-old self than ever before. Because I've got my sense of imagination, my sense of wonder, my rebellion, my determination back. And as we go through life, we kind of lose that. You know, when the layers of life is put on us, it changes who we are, what we believe, and our story. So in a way, it's going back to go forward yeah. and understanding um, from a functional medicine point of view, what were the turning points? What were the big significant events that made you either look outside of yourself for a role model or look inside for a, um, a similar experience that you've experienced in the past? Uh, and what tends to happen is when that hasn't happened, we kind of fall between the gap again so we're almost lost in a way and we develop these safety behaviors to get through and those safety behaviors can serve us so well you know it, it 
at that time. But then when we transform, when we change, when we come into motherhood, maybe they're the things or the stories, belief systems that are holding us stuck. And I think what happens is I'll just, you know, just explain how it shows up in the body that when we're stressed, even though we experience stress in different ways, the body tends to react in a similarish way. And that is from an evolutional perspective, we see a tiger, we go into that adrenaline, that fight or flight, the adrenaline system kicks in, and then we either fight or we flight. But what normally happens is some resolution. So we either get eaten or we run away, but it ends, the stress response turns off. Today, if we are worried because we don't feel good enough, or we're worried that we're not a good enough mother or that we've got too much to do and we're always on the back foot. If we're worried about our inbox, we're worried about our children, that's inherently stressful. And it's almost like it's turning on that cycle, that response chronically. And that's the problem. But what it also does, and this is where the gut comes into it, is um, the gut and the brain are connected, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But our greatest defense mechanism is our immune system. So when we get stressed and we activate that fight or flight, we're also activating inflammation. And what I'm seeing in mothers, is, it, and this is one of the big gaps, is overwhelm is inflammation. It's too much stimulus coming into the brain. It's almost like, you know, that game where you've, um, with the wire and you're trying to get the electrical, the, the hoop from one side to the other yeah. without, yeah, it buzzing. It's like someone's just let it go and it's just there like that. that yeah. That's what it feels. Overwhelm can make you feel like your head is on fire, like it's going to explode. Um, and that is a symptom of inflammation. But knowing that, then opens up a whole new world. Oh, okay, so I'm not going crazy. This is a physiological response to my psychological stress because our physical body and our um, emotional body are interconnected. I can start to unpick it here um, by looking at my diet. What's causing inflammation? Where is the stress coming from? And I just think it becomes empowering over overwhelming if that if that makes sense sorry there's a lot there <laughs> yeah, no it's amazing I mean I love that analogy and also the, the correlation between overwhelm and inflammation because you know you can just say it's a reason I'm so overwhelmed and like you know in your head you've got a million things that you need to do but actually that is creating a physiological inflammation in our body which mm-hmm. is you know can cause us to feel unwell it can cause us to get ill um, it can cause you know all sorts of imbalances I can imagine we can just kind of live in that perpetual state can't we of the fight or flight and and like you said before about you know there's a resolution normally at the end but we just live in this constant kind of drip feed of cortisol going on in our bodies whether that is stuff that we've not resolved in the past that we're just kind of harboring within us and and any sort of small thing can trigger us and we're just so used to living in that state that we don't know any different until we make that recognition. And maybe people come to you. I know with me that people come and they just, they feel stuck and they don't know why they feel stuck. And I have to kind of unpick a little bit and play detective. And then essentially I find out that um, something's going on in their current day, their present day, 
um, that is, you know, come from their past and that the past hasn't been cleared. That's a lot to bear, isn't it? When you're a mum, when you, you're, you're responsible for a small child and they are your world and all you want to do is kind of care for them, make sure that they're living the happiest, healthiest life. But we are putting ourselves, you know, right at the bottom of that priority list when we should be kind of putting ourselves almost equally to make sure that we're as healthy and as happy as we can be to make sure they're as healthy and as happy as they can be. Mm. And that's hard work, isn't it? It is. And you know what? Where are our role models? Because 21st century motherhood has never been done before. It's like we have the opportunity now to um, burn ourselves out trying to keep others warm. Or we can create a new way to do motherhood. And that's what I'm interested in. And what I always say is that kids don't benefit just benefit from the love you give them, but from the love you give yourself. Yeah. And actually, by looking after honoring, health is all about honoring yourself. It's also about being flexible, especially during these times in a pandemic. You know, we have to be flexible as well. But we then teach our children to do that, to honor themselves and to be flexible with their environment and to have the superpowers, you know, like the kindness and the curiosity and the empathy. That's what's important. But it's really hard to give what we don't have. So our job is to practice that first. Totally. And like you said, we haven't really got the role models unless, our, you know, our parents or our mothers were like, you know really ahead of their time yeah and like you say we suggest we're trying to now be the role models for our own children you know especially our daughters who we want to see growing up with balance in their life we want to see them uh, being able to have fulfilling careers while being a mother without having all the expectations and all the I think all the stuff that we're having to juggle for them I almost see it as like our generation is that kind of we're like figuring out all the mess because mm. beforehand maybe a generation two generations ago women didn't know any better mm. women didn't have the option to work and be a mother so they just kind of went on went along with it you know this is what society presented to them and yes they probably had a lot of kind of things going on within them going on more than this like I'm, I deserve more I can be more but you know they didn't have any role models but now we, it's almost like we're bearing quite a big burden of responsibility to help our daughters recognize the wrongs of our generation mm-hmm. and how they can step into their own power, but also make sure that they're looking after themselves as well. <laughs> and that's, oh. I think that's it's a lot. It's a lot for us. It's a lot for them to digest. And I don't think we're going to solve all the, all the um issues in one generation but I really hope you know I've got three daughters myself wow um, hope and pray that I'm trying to model to them that you know you can have a career but it's also really important to look after yourself you know earning loads of money although it's really nice it's not the be all and end all if that's not what's making you happy um, or just not looking inwards and not recognizing how important you are and how important your mental health and your emotional well-being is as well so 
yeah, lots lots of responsibility on us to, to help our generate the generation um, ahead of us. Sometimes when we can feel overwhelmed by responsibility, can't we? Because we can't change the world in, you know, one kind of magic wand. But something I talk about is that we can change our inner world. And I um, fully 100% believe that everything we have is already inside of us. We just need to give ourselves the opportunity to access those resources. And I believe by doing that, we are just modeling that to our kids, you know, and we don't have to take the whole outer world, the external world and our shoulders to change. It's just about looking within and it's pulling out those kind of the tools from our own little inner toolbox that are going to help us look after our fitness, our health, you know, have a career that we love. And um, it's, it's also giving yourself permission to mess it up. Yeah. And to get things wrong. If I had got everything right, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review or a rating to help us reach even more ambitious mums and get the content out there. Thanks so much. love to talk about is something that I'm fascinated in is the gut brain connection and and I think that's a massive thing that many people aren't aware of and I think once you're a little bit more um, educated about it you have this you know the, the existence and you understand a little bit more about why you're feeling the way you are why your mood swings and how we can help ourselves as well. It's really empowering. Can you share a little bit, I guess, of your, the golden nuggets about the gut-brain connection? Sure. When I was at college studying nutritional therapy, like there's no way I had motherhood on the brain. I was single. I wasn't really interested in women's health. I wasn't really interested in hormones. But obviously that's all changed. One thing that stayed the same from the minute I learned about it was this gut-brain connection. And it just fascinates me. And even now, when someone says the word microbiome, I get goosebumps. And here's the thing. So our gut and our brain are physically connected with the vagus nerve. The interesting thing here about the gut is that it kind of, it's full of bugs of microbes. We have more microbes in our gut than stars in the Milky Way. And actually, if you were to put them on the scale, they would weigh the same as the human brain. We've also got more um, neurons, so like um, nervous system cells throughout the whole of the enteric nervous system, which is the gut brain connection than we do in the spine. There is more serotonin, which we relate to being our happy hormone, although it does a lot more than that, produced 400 times more produced in the gut than the brain. We have about 30 different neurotransmitters that goes up that kind of nervous system. So the gut and the brain form the enteric nervous system. And if you were to cut the connection, which is almost like a phone wire, I describe it, that nervous system would still work independently. So you could say it's our second brain. So if you imagine there is a phone wire between the two, and this is what I find so fascinating, that you have something come into the brain. So let's say there's a stressor and that brain then sends signals down to the gut through this nerve. 
um, to tell the gut that you're under attack, that you're a stress, because 70% of the immune system approximately is in the gut. And then we're thinking about things like inflammation. But that communication downwards is 10%. So that kind of deals with our motility, signals from the brain, um, you know, how we can go to the loo, how we can distribute our nutrition, our nutrients throughout the body. But then coming back up from the gut to the brain, the communication, so these networks, the neurotransmitters, the nerves is 90%. So what I see a lot and the things that throw that balance out, so the microbiome, which are all the bugs that live in our, our gut, they're not necessarily good or bad. They're made up of viruses, bacteria, fungi, parasites. It needs to be in balance. Where, what throws that out is stress, is maybe medication, foods, so inflammatory type foods, toxins from the environment, your common ones like antibiotics and then protein pump inhibitors, your acid blocking drugs. So if you're not, let's think of a big stressor on mum, sleep, sleep deprivation. That was the thing that threw my gut out and the worry. If you're sending those signals down, that is going to knock out your army of bugs. Eventually that will wear away at this gut lining. So um, Alessio Fasano, he's a Italian gastroenterologist. He actually said, um, the gut is like Las Vegas. What goes on in the gut doesn't stay in the gut. <laughs> Love that. Um, but this lining that goes all the way from your mouth down to the other end, we're like a giant donut, is only one cell thick. So if you think about the microbiome as protecting that, they're the bouncers, they're the army guys. When they're thrown out, that becomes fragile. And when stress and inflammatory food, and let's just paint the picture of We've not slept well. We get up, we have a coffee, maybe before we even eat, and that sets our adrenaline system in. Maybe we don't eat till later. Maybe we're picking at our kids' food. We're on the go. We're juggling all the demands. We don't get time to sit down and breathe. Um, maybe we have some gut issues and we take protein pump inhibitors. Maybe we've got ill and we take antibiotics. You can see how this accumulation is throwing that balance out. And then when we lose the integrity, that's when things start to go across the other side. And here you start to see things like overwhelm. So they say an inflamed gut is like an inflamed brain because the same um, cells that line the gut form the blood-brain barrier. So if you have a leaky gut, it's thought by some professionals and researchers that you could have leaky brain. And there's, there's a lot, that sounds horrible, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of evidence here now. And this is where those um, sort of neurological type symptoms, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, these type conditions are coming into play, but also overwhelm for the reason that I mentioned before. So by looking after our gut, our second brain, and really seeing it as that, we can reduce a lot of these symptoms. And we're also breaking that cycle. So when we're stuck in that cycle of stress and it just feels like we're wired for survival, this is where we can intervene on that. Because a lot of the time, it, survival thoughts lead to survival physi physiology. Maybe now the body keeps a score. Maybe now the body has taken over and it's learnt to behave this way because then it's feeding these signals back to the brain that is predicting stress. It's predicting um, a threat.
and then you're stuck in that loop. So this is where I find it so fascinating to work first on you and how you feel about yourself and what you've stuffed down not dealing with like the work you did do around forgiveness but at the same time working on the gut and the immune system and coming at it from both ends if you like wow oh my goodness so it really is fascinating and then you just hear the science that kind of holds up what we see in day-to-day life and it kind of makes even more sense and I think especially now around you know the COVID pandemic and what we're mm. all dealing with and so much anxiety, yes. loneliness, um, fear, worry, uncertainty. I mean, the list goes on and it just has an impact on every age group that I can only imagine that we're so worried about actually getting the disease. But what it, the stress of it is doing to our immune systems as well, it must be quite significant. Yes, yes. And you know what? It's interesting, this, because one thing I'm not scared of at the moment, and I'm not being all like, yeah, I'm not scared, um, is the virus. Because I know too much about how viruses work. And actually, by supporting your inner ecosystem, your microbiome, it's not about the virus. We're always going to have mutated forms. And I'm not downplaying it at all. But the way that we're going to protect ourselves is by supporting our immune system because we're all different. There's no one size fits all. And this is why it's not manifesting in everyone. We're not all getting it. Um, And this is where it really puts you back in the driving seat because it's not rocket science. You know, it's some real simple interventions that you can take to support your gut. And actually, not only are you supporting your immune system, you're supporting your mood your emotions, yeah. your energy, your weight. It, the microbiome has a huge impact on how, how we manage our weight as well. So it's almost killing all of those birds, so to speak, with one stone by working on that. If someone is listening right now and that there's a, sort of a light bulb moment of, okay, how can I really boost my immune system, but also my mood in the sense that I'm potentially, you know, who knows what, lockdown's going to bring and all the different tiers and where people are going to be but that you know we if we've got kids at home we have to be as much on our top game as we can so what what would you say to someone now that just needs I don't want to say quite a quick fix but Mm. almost like an easy intervention that they can start doing from today so the food we're not what we we're what our gut bugs eat so they love to eat fiber and fiber isn't like that cardboard stuff that you get in cereals no fiber is from vegetables it's from fruit it's from a rainbow of plant-based foods and can i just say i have a child that doesn't like anything green (laughs) so i'm not coming at this from my child eats everything you know this is easy it's not But understanding um, that this is what they need helps me come up with kind of creative ways. You know, I'll kind of whiz up a courgette into some eggs to make into a frittata. You can't see the green. Yeah. Um, Yeah, done it all. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Um, So it's doing your best and not creating more stress because we don't want to do that. But actually enjoying it enjoying it that um you can turn it into a challenge i'm I'm releasing an ebook soon called the good bugs picnic and it's to help parents educate their kids about the gut and it's kind of it's very fun and i think it's educational for the parents as well but part of it is looking at 
the food. So the rainbow, the color, the variety is so important. And by getting that color in, you're getting the antioxidants, you're getting the fiber, you're getting all the things that the gut bugs love. But you're also modulating inflammation. So the immune system isn't something that just comes alive in the winter. Or, you know, we think about it in terms of a virus and pandemic. It's working all the time. And it's amazing what it's responsible for. It keeps us safe. So by understanding it just a little bit and honoring it is um, one thing. Another thing that I really like to do is when you eat. So if we are grazing all the time, we cause inflammation. So eating in itself can cause inflammation. It's quite inflammatory, especially if we're stuffing food in our face, like on the go and we're trying to get somewhere. Believe me, I've done it and sometimes do. Um, it can be quite inflammatory. And about four hours after we eat, that permeability of the gut lining, the kind of leakiness, it becomes more permeable for about four hours. So ask yourself, do you feel groggy after you eat or do you feel full of life? Does your food energize you or does it deplete you and make you feel terrible? That's a really good sign that maybe you need to work on your gut a little bit. And I would be thinking, firstly, bringing that color in, looking at a breakfast, lunch and dinner. So just try and get that pattern. And this is where we honor ourselves. Like we allow ourselves to have this schedule. This is our little routine and other things can kind of fit around this. But this is what I'm going to do for me. Eating protein, complex carbohydrates and fats with each meal is, is a way of balancing our blood sugar. And, and in turn, that reduces stress on the body. And another thing that you can do is fermented foods. So these have got quite funky and sexy these days. Like it used to be the old kind of white sauerkraut that didn't look very nice. Yeah. Now it feels like everyone's brewing kombucha and there's like pink cabbage and all sorts of different colors. So uh, Bonnie actually likes kombucha. We make it ourselves. It's like a fermented tea and it's got live bacteria in it. So like the probiotics. And I'm quite surprised. So I wouldn't have known that if I didn't try it. So maybe pick one thing, maybe some kefir or even some yogurt uh, or kombucha and give it a go or some sauerkraut and try it at home. But you can buy, there's plenty of things out there to buy as well. So there you're actually putting probiotics in. You can take a probiotic, which I think is helpful um, at the moment coming into winter. Vitamin D is also my go-to. It pretty much underpins the whole of the immune system. But what I do recommend people do is get tested so they know their baseline. And you can do that through Fiverr or MediCheck or your GP. So these are all home kits that you can do at home. And that's just really nice to know. So yeah, I was going to say with the vitamin D, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because so the vitamin D, you know, is, I know it's the sunshine vitamin. It's like one of the reasons why when we go on holiday, we're always in a good mood. Uh, probably because we, we haven't got responsibilities and we've got a cocktail bar near us. But it's also you know, so important for, you know, the winter months. So to know what our vitamin D levels are, that's, I never knew that you could do that on your own. I think you have to go to the doctors. What, what should our le levels be? I mean, is it different for everyone or is there a baseline that we should have? Between 70 and 120. So what I say, when I work with people that have inflammatory type conditions, so they have autoimmune conditions that, that have been diagnosed, you want it to be at the 120, you want it to be higher up. 
but if it's just general and you don't really have any pre-existing stuff you're stressed you're a mum but you know there's no diagnosed condition I'll be thinking around 70 the thing is and here's the thing it's no criticism but the doctor's reference ranges are much broader so I've had mums go and get their bloods done they're on the floor they're exhausted and they come to me and they're like I've been told that everything's normal it's come back normal but I'm not feeling okay so I'll say right give them to me and their ferritin so their iron is low it's low it should be up 70 again and and doctor's reference ranges are lower and same with vitamin d and maybe um around like inflammatory markers as well if they've been measured so what i would just say there is there's no criticism it's really helpful but maybe get some some guidance with them outside of the conventional and when you go with things like medicheck sorry companies like medicheck and fiber they also give advice. So they give you a little rundown and some feedback. So that can be really helpful. But you always need to think, is this right for you? So just if someone else tells you, oh, you're, it, it's normal, does it feel okay to you? And this is where that curiosity comes in that we spoke about. That giving yourself the opportunity to dig a little deeper, getting some guidance, what's going on here? Um, because like you said, we are all, all different. But yeah, 70 to 120 with the vitamin D and it can vary throughout the year. That's yeah. really helpful. Really helpful. You know, when you, if exhausted mums are coming to you and they're saying, I don't feel great and I'm you know, flat out and the doctor's telling them there's nothing wrong. We then believe that's our natural state, that that's just the way we should be. We should be flawed. We should be exhausted, drained. And we just have to get on with it. And that's a really difficult cycle to get out of if we believe that's the norm. So we just continue to feed our bodies with the food that we shouldn't and drink and eat sugary food and maybe kind of like curl up and watch TV instead of maybe going outside for a walk. Because if we're told that that's just the way it is, that's just what happens, then the, then we that's our truth, that's what we believe. And I think these conversations that we're having right now are so important because someone could be listening right now and actually thinking, you know what, I haven't been feeling right for a while and maybe I haven't been honouring my immune system or my gut health. And just making a very small tweak could have a massive impact on someone's life, can't it? Oh, 100%. And just on that and that the immune system quickly is our secretory IgA. That's our first line of immune defense. One of the best ways, so we want that to be working really well. I, I use some tests that test that, but really the best way to ensure that that is at a good level is stress and personal management because it's stress that lowers it. So when we're really stressed, it lowers our defenses and we're more susceptible to viruses and pathogens and kind of infections. So we really want to work on that. And another thing to add into the diet is omega-free fatty acids. So these are all your avocados, coconut, the kind of healthy fats, black seeds, yeah. um, magic. Uh, yeah. Try and get those in because they work, they support the microbiome. They also support infl inflammation. So they help sort of modulate that response. And we don't want to turn these things off you know it's almost impossible we want to modulate it so the communication is working really well so the body knows when something is actually attacking you you know for real that it does its thing 
Ambitious Mum podcast. So going on to um, what I'd like to just ask about is the holding on to things like resentment and anger and past pain and sadness and whatever that is. And I see that a lot with clients. I see with friends. I feel it with myself. I was I was hell bent on holding on to this. Like my past was going to dictate my present, and my future, and who am I if I you know let go of my my past? And a lot of people feel very much the same. Like if they feel like they've been wronged or they've been treated badly, that that should just you know they should carry that along with them. You know, like in in a bag next to them, and that's like their luggage they just take with them. But that's having a really bad you know effect on our immune system our health our well-being and i'd love to know if you see the correlation between releasing resentment releasing anger bringing in more forgiveness more acceptance understanding acknowledgement validation all these things that i feel are very very important and i see you know a lot of the time if a client will explain to me how they feel after a session and that is i just feel lighter Mm. And it's sometimes it's hard to explain, you know, anything else apart from I just feel lighter, like they're just not carrying this around with them. And, you know, the headaches might disappear, the stomach aches, the back pain, whatever, you know, way it's manifesting in a physical way might slowly ever away once they've done a bit of this kind of like healing work. And I think we, we don't, especially in Western society, we don't put the weight of doing this healing work on the impact that can happen on gut health, on our immune system, just health in, in general. Do you see this when people come to you that they're holding on to a lot of stuff from the past and how do you work with them, you know, through that? Yeah, I do. And to be honest, you know, I kind of joke that as a nutritional therapist, I spend about 10% of my time talking about food because that's our <laughs> behavior, right? That's our behavior. And our behavior is only a reflection of our inner world. Um, and it's interesting you say that. It's like we've packed our own backpack full of rocks. And some of that stress is really tangible and we can see it. But a lot of it is hidden. And that's how we feel about ourselves. It's our identity, essentially. It's who we are and the story we tell ourselves. And usually those patterns are laid down from childhood. So I think about it as the conscious and unconscious mind. So there's only about 10% of our thoughts are actually conscious. And I think we have about 2.4 billion bits of information that come into our brains every day. And what I learned on the NLP course is we can only really handle seven. <laughs> you know, so our brain has to deal with that. And what it does, it kind of deletes, it distorts, or it generalizes. And in that process, it stuffs what it can't process, or it's too hard, it's too painful, we don't know what to do, we haven't been through this before, it stuffs it down into the body, into the nervous system, into our neurotransmitters. And we literally, the body keeps the score. You know, we hold stress and trauma in our cells. There's a wonderful kind of field of research called the cell danger response. And, and a lot of what I practice, the research in sort of functional medicine um, world, 
is about 18 years ahead of what's being practiced in the mainstream. Wow. So that's phenomenal, right? I actually think that I, I work with mothers, but mothers are being disserviced by 18 years. So we know now that our cells change. So if you went through something as a child that's traumatic, or maybe it's not one big event, maybe it's lots of little ones, maybe it's not that lots of bad things happen to you, maybe it's just not enough good things happen to you and you weren't noticed or you weren't recognized or you didn't have the freedom to kind of do what you want. (laughs) All these things play a part because we take those stories into our adult life. And I work with a lot of people that maybe have been bullied or they experienced trauma or they experienced great loss, bereavement. They have breakdowns of relationships early on. And that is really what it does is it forms the model of the world that we view life through. And then if we're viewing life through this lens of not being worthy or not belonging or not feeling good enough or holding that resentment or anger, we're going to view life as that. We're going to look for things to validate our own belief systems. So we're always kind of looking for being judged or through the lens of anger or stress. And we kind of get back, you know, how we view things. There's a lot of things that I, I will do. One of the things um, that I'll use is a timeline intervention. And this is when you go back. You go back to where things changed. And I did this personally in November with an NLP practitioner. I have to say it was the most emotional thing that I'd ever done. But it was the most liberating, incredible, like you say, release thing that I'd ever done because I had the opportunity to go back to little Annie and tell her that everything was going to be okay and that's just a snippet you know there's more to it there's also other exercises that I'll use around the stories we tell ourselves where have they actually come from and I use this model of like self-sabotage I don't really like that but safety behaviors and how we get stuck in our own pain because we get so much energy from pain. It's almost like we get stuck in the familiar, in the comfort zone, and we're just always reconfirming what we already know. And it's how we then develop the tools to move us out of the pain and into a more compelling future and the version of ourselves that we really can be. And that's pulling on all those inner resources. Just as much as we stuff all that hard stuff down into our body, we also hold a lot of that magic. And I see also the the unconscious mind, not just as the body, but as our inner child. And I think it's reconnecting with that inner child, that innocence, that essence of who you are. And it's pulling back some of those resources that are really going to serve you to be the person you're growing into and obviously use in the present. And, and a lot of it comes down to our values our missions, our belief systems. And I do exercises around that, depending on, you know, what the person needs. Um, but I hope that <laughs> I hope that's kind of explained it. Yeah, it's really, it's so big, isn't it? Yes. Well, you say, you know, people come, you know, if you think about a nutritional therapist, you kind of think, oh, someone's going to tell me exactly what I need to be eating and what I need to stop eating and then I'm going to be fine. But when you, you know, you I've done NLP um, as well. I've done a, a practitioner course. And it really is so much about that, isn't it? It's like how we view the world through what lens and the beliefs and the values that we hold and all the things that we've been told as children and how we carry that through. 
And so much of it is we're still stuck in that place of being that small child in the pain. And we haven't even grown out of that pain. We're still in that place. So, you know, going back and doing some inner child work, and, and I do that as well through EFT, mm-hmm. it's so, oh my goodness, it's so effective, but it can be very, very emotional. And, but the comfort that comes with that of this kind of older, wiser version of yourself, carrying that younger, more vulnerable person um, version of yourself as well, um, carrying them through and giving them that confidence that things are going to be okay, that things are going to work out. Um, it's, um, it's an amazing exercise. And I would say to anyone, if, if you feel that there is a lot of pain that possibly you've, you've suppressed and you feel that it's still kind of there and it's not serving you in your life right now, it is worth investigating that. Because I think it's just natural, isn't it? Like as humans, we carry stuff. You know, and even if you've not gone through huge trauma, like you said, we've got like clusters of trauma, little mini traumas that we collate that potentially make quite a sizable dent in us. Um, so I don't think you need to be like, well, I've not been so badly um, neglected or abused or I've not had this or divorce or grief. Mm. But being that you, your pain is validated, it's just different. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and something else, you know, we don't really focus on what's good because the bad outweighs the good. It's, yeah. heavier, it's a heavier emotion. So um, I always say that like emotions are energy in motion because we are made out of energy. Energy is everything. And when we experience anger and resentment and, and those kind of the heavy feelings, they're almost like matter because the cells are literally kind of vibrating at a much lower frequency. Whereas when we experience joy and happiness and excitement, that makes our cells kind of um, vibrate at a higher frequency and that elevates our emotional state. If we can shift our focus and our emotional state onto more of what we want, that's magic. Um, And that's where we get that kind of release. We're literally changing our psychology and our physiology and focusing more of the good stuff. And it doesn't need to be crazy stuff. It can be things that we just really enjoy that makes us feel like ourselves, that reconnecting with nature, breath work, having some playtime uninterrupted with our children, just these kind of simple things. I think sometimes we have our eyes so focused on the horizon and the glory moments that we forget the detail in between. So it's it's finding the joy in the mundane, you know, and the everyday stuff. There's unsung moments that there's no one else there to see what a mother does behind closed doors. Um, So it's celebrating those unsung moments. Yeah, the joy in the mundane. And boy, are we going to need to find that at the moment because <laughs> life, life has never been so mundane but on the flip side you know the amount of people that are, are you know finding nature that they never you know knew was on their doorstep before the way people are connecting in different ways there is so much out there that if we just open our eyes a little bit more you know we can we can find that joy and that gratitude and that thankfulness and it doesn't have to be something big you know very often I think People are so used to towards like big holidays. Yes. Like, let's get to Christmas and it's only August. Let's get, you know, we finished our summer holiday and you know, looking forward to like the Christmas holiday and everything in between just has to be like a million miles an hour and super stressful. So I think 
without me to get too philosophical about everything. But the pandemic is going to teach us, I hope, the joy in the mundane and the joy in those little unsung moments where we can sit around the table as a family, or we can go on a walk, or we sit and watch a film together. And those are the memories that we're, you know, that's important. And hopefully we can, those happier, more positive memories will start, we'll learn to value those more than the, the old stuff that often weighs, you know, much heavier than, than anything else. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could probably talk about this for another few hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to go and get my children to school. Yeah. And, um, and maybe we can do a part two at some point. We can, yeah. we can think of something else to talk about. But I think this is a really, really fascinating conversation possibly only skim the surface but um annie thank you so much can you tell my listeners how they can find you what you've got coming up um you know how they can work with you if they if they like the sound of this conversation yeah sure thank you so much for having me so i you can find me at annie breen nutrition that's my website i'm also on instagram and facebook same annie breen nutrition i have a program that i'm launching next week starting on the 26th of october and i have created the energized mother model so i'm teaching a pillar of this which is all about um reclaiming your energy and addressing the hidden stress so the hidden mother load and i'll be using some of the techniques that we've talked about in that i also if people are interested in the gut health i have an online program called healthy term happy mum and that has got all my gut stuff from the years just brought together um so you can go and and buy that anytime and teach yourself about gut health and follow the video tutorials I've also made it so it can be used with children so it's illustrated it's very visual um and those are the two main things I think that sounds amazing brilliant brilliant uh, resources for people to access Uh so i will make sure i put all that in the show notes so if anybody um, is interested just go on those show notes annie thank you so much for your time i really really enjoyed this conversation oh thank you for having me and i'll speak to you very soon so that is this week's episode done i really hope you enjoyed today's podcast i'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you, or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag The Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on The Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.